0: Let's bow. Dear Father in heaven, thine belongs all praise and glory and honor, blessings and thanksgiving, O oh Lord. And yet, how little can we offer, dear Father? So we humbly ask, O oh Lord, that thou bless our gathering, be in our midst, inspire us to meditate upon thy word, and that we may draw closer to thee and to one another. We humbly pray in Jesus' name. Amen. would like to read and meditate with the Lord's help out of the word of God as found in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. <clears throat> there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, 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 he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master in Israel and knowest not these things? Verily, verily I say unto thee, we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hated the light, neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. I've read up to verse 21.
1: The Lord is worthy that we bow down <laughs> and worship him together. <clears throat> Truly, our great God, you are worthy of all our adoration and praise. Lord, it is who you are that that inspires us, that gives us confidence, that lifts our spirits, that gives us hope when we are beyond our strength and out of our depth. Lord, we are so thankful we can turn and see that the sun is still in the sky, but the creator of this vast universe is still in control, that he knows, he understands, and that his way is best. Father, there are many things we do not understand, but we're so thankful that we can understand that you love us, We do not understand how your spirit works, the incredible miracles it does as it transforms the lives of men and women. But we see the effects. We know it's true. And we praise you for it. And Lord, we see your love displayed on the cross, lifted up for all of us to see, an opportunity for all of us to leave our self-control and trust in yours, to leave our state of existing state of condemnation and trust in your sacrifice to come to the light even though it exposes things we do not want to acknowledge and to be cleansed and made pure and free. Thank you, Lord, for your good news. And we pray, Lord, that no heart here would be so hard, so proud, so stubborn, as to refuse that gift. Lord, we pray that all would be able to be with us, with you, where you are in eternity. Speak to us this morning through your Living Word, speak to us through your own spirit. Lord, we pray that our hearts would be open, unresisting, unhardened, plowed and made fertile, fertilized, free from the cares that choke. That you can have your way with us, that we could be a a clay that would be supple and yielding in your hand, that you can indeed make us into something for your glory. Lord, we are mindful of, of many who cannot be here with us. Lord, you've mentioned some that have even gone through accidents and are unable due to illness and fragile fragility of health. Father, we pray that you could encourage and strengthen them Lord, we are mindful of those who are in pain, and we think of uh, a number of them, Lord, for Kara and Shelly, and and Lord, uh, our own sisters, Father, for Olga, and for, Lord, many who, who, who are carrying a heavy cross, and we pray that you would come alongside, and Help them to carry that cross. Encourage their hearts. And Lord, we know if it is your best, if it is for their best, you're even able to to heal their bodies. But Lord, most of all, we want the presence, your presence to go with us. Lord, we plead with Moses that your presence would go with us. It's more important than the Physical blessings. Because it lasts forever. Father, we pray for the many places in this world where people are suffering for your name's sake, And yet, they have the boldness to proclaim it. Despite having to suffer loss of life and limb and family and, and security. And to be chased like dogs and to suffer incredible tortures. Yet they are faithful. We pray that they would continue to be bold and proclaim your word. And to be steadfast despite the threatenings of the enemy of our souls. And Lord, that the souls around them could see the power and the love. A light in a very dark place. And they would be drawn to it. Father, we pray that our light would burn brighter. Because we see the world getting darker even here. Well, we see even the enemies working in our culture, accelerating. Father, we pray we would not be lulled to sleep by the busyness and affluence of our day, but we could be alert and awake because our redemption draws nigh. And we do not want to be found sleeping when our Master returns. We pray for your servant this morning, that you would inspire him and speak through him. And Lord, you know our needs. We open our hearts to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Many were those that gathered when Jesus did those miracles, but here we have a situation where a man Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, comes to Jesus by night. And one may ascribe, ascribe various <clears throat> motives why he would do that at night. But when we look at Nicodemus, he seems to be a reasonable person, a ruler. Not impulsive, cautious, honest. I think that some in our midst uh, could closely identify with a person like that. And he made choice to come to Jesus by night. Now the things he said... For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And he says, we know. Whom did he mean by that? Well, he was a Pharisee. And a Pharisee, the meaning of it is that they separated themselves. They wanted to keep really the law really close. And they would be teachers, religious people. And those are the ones that Jesus had the most trouble with. But even among them, there were some that were sincere and honest. And we gather Nicodemus was one of them. He's mentioned a few times. Even after Jesus was crucified, he was the one that came and, together with Joseph and Arimathea, took care of his burial. Yeah. He spoke up also in the council, but he was not one to shout. Now he says, we know and I think he means that we know like like his peers, the other Pharisees too, they know that you know nobody can do these miracles except God be with him. And Jesus himself said <clears throat> when they had when they argued with him about believing where he came and what he said, says if you have problem like believing me, believe me for the very work's sake, look at them. And Nicodemus, he could accept that, he could accept that. And those that identify with him, they see two things, as it was mentioned, change lives. They see how God influences through his word people what do you do with it? Have you come to the conclusion that yes, the things that are being proclaimed about Jesus, that they are true, then what are you going to do with it? Yes, the miracles they were, they were able to see, but more importantly, the things that Jesus said, they were the very importance. The miracles were there to substantiate that he was <clears throat> the one he said and what he said was really the important thing same today what you do with what he said what you do what the scriptures tells you now if you have acknowledged that truly this, <clears throat> these are the words of God what's the next thing and Jesus doesn't lose any time And he uses an expression several times here. He's saying, verily, verily. Though it be not necessary for him to emphasize it, but for our sake he did. For whatsoever he said, and he even said of it, he said that whatever his word will not pass away, though heaven and earth pass away. But if to call our attention to it more so, he said, verily, verily. Of a truth, of a truth, I tell you. I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Did he mean the glorious appearing of it? Well, that's still in the future. When Jesus said, when they asked him, when would the kingdom of God appear? They wanted to know, and they said, the kingdom of God is among you. But those that are not born again, they cannot see it. They cannot see it. In Corinthians, we see, But a natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man, as we are born, as every one of us was born, we could not discern the things concerning the kingdom of God. Our worldview was different. It was like the majority of people. And unless that worldview changes, Through the new birth, you cannot see, you cannot understand the kingdom of God. The words that the word teaches here don't make sense to you. It even says that the world will consider it foolishness, foolishness. But those that have been born again, their worldview will see the things from that perspective, from the spiritual perspective. And they will order their life accordingly. They will use the wisdom of the Bible when they are facing decisions to make, not emotions just, not gain, but with a view of eternity, with a view of eternity. They can see the kingdom of God. And unless you're born again, you cannot. <clears throat> Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into a mother's womb and be born? Could there be a parallel, dual life to live your natural life the way you were born in and the spiritual life? No, that's not possible. One of them has to die. And the one that has to die is the natural life. The worldview, the desires, the the purpose, the intentions that are natural, that come natural to us as we grow up and we can see them how they take form and and in, in little children when they first are so innocent and then you know things pop up, their character develops and soon they realize things that they like and they don't like things that they hate and so forth these are natural things natural things there cannot be a dual life there cannot be a dual citizenship like some people have to be citizens of of Canada and the states perhaps and taking advantage of it for whatever reason Cannot one has to die in order to be born. Jesus answered, Verily, verily I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You cannot be part of it. It's not just seeing it, but to be part of it. And into that kingdom you are only born. You're only born. Not because your parents are Christians, or as we usually say, believers. Not because of your grandparents. Somebody said, God does not have grandchildren. Just because your parents are his children doesn't mean you are going to be one. Each one has to be born. Each one has to be born. Now... No one, no one is born of himself, even a natural birth. You had no say in it. You could not be born out of your own strength. Somebody has to bear you. Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's the natural thing. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. And in the first chapter, he puts it succinctly. <clears throat> but as many as received him, I mean, as many as received the teaching of Christ and obeyed them, and his teaching started right at the beginning with repent, repent and believe the gospel. Repent. That's part of the process of dying to it. Repent. There you have a decision. But to be born, somebody has to bear you. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Those that received, they repented. Now, in the next verse it says, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, not even your own will, nor of the will of man, but of God. But of God. In dying, yes, you have a choice. And that must proceed to be born again. The giving up of those things that you really liked more than God. Your impulses, your desires, your pleasures. God is not a spoilsport. sport. There are pleasures, the Bible says, at his shrine forevermore. But he goes first, he demands say, if anybody loves anything more than me, he's not worthy of me. There's just no other way. And that applies sometimes in a very hard way. When he even says, and he that loves mother or father or children or whatever more than me, is not worthy of me. He's not worthy of me. And that's where it comes down. Not that we should not love them. Yet God even tells us we should love our enemies. But he wants to be first. And he wants to be loved with all our mind, our might, our strength, whatever. That's the first and foremost commandment. And that overshadows or overlights every other decision that we make in light of that. And we have to give up even our will. That is to subject our will to his, even when it is sometimes very, very hard. Very hard. It is a choice. It almost is a contradiction. We give up our will. We choose to put our will second to his will. That his will has priority. And that's the only way to love God. God. That's the only way. They have an interesting conversation here. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master and Israel? No, not these things. Now you are the teacher of Israel. You teach others and you don't know these things. It isn't smarts. It isn't studies. That, but God has to reveal it. God has to reveal it. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall I believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Do we understand this? the earthly things are those things which we are commanded, like repenting, leaving those things. Those are earthly. Those are ours to do. We are commanded to do so. But God's part that we be born again then. That's his. And whether you understand it or not, it is the operation of God. In Colossians, we read that in Jesus Christ, in whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hand. And circumcision is a difficult word because sometimes it refers to circumcising the flesh, but also sometimes to spiritual things. I once asked a a Jewish friend at work what it meant. It just has to be right. He even ascribed when you asked him, how do you understand God? Well, circumcised to them, that just to be right. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> in whom you are circ- here it means in putting off the bodies of sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. That is repentance. Putting off the works of the flesh. In another portion of the scripture, it's called the, the heart to be circumcised. The the most serious accusation made against the Jew that he was inc- uncircumcised of the heart. And that we can read in the Word. That's our part. Then he says about the dying buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him, that is with Christ, through faith of the operation of God, God's doing. Can you understand it? Does a baby understand how he's born? But he is born. It's a fact. And the evidence, Jesus speaks about it. Verily, very, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen those that are born again and ye receive not our witness. Those that supposedly knew the scripture and were teaching it, they did not receive the scripture. And Jesus had to tell them, the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom before you. You're going to miss out. But they, because they were willing to understand and do what was earthly, to repent, there was hope. If I told you earthly things you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No man had ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even as the Son of Man which is in heaven. The the verse that I looked for before was in verse 8, actually. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, and canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. You see the effect of being being born again. And it has to be seen. From the life that was cherished before, to what now is the worldview. It has to be seen. It has to, the evidence has to be there. And unless we are convinced otherwise, we that have the responsibility to baptize will not go ahead in baptizing. It's not for everyone that just comes and wants to be baptized to be baptized. Those that do the baptizing, taking up a responsibility because they become then part of the body of Christ. and the effect has to be seen. There are, in repentance, John the Baptist alluded to it, when those that came and wanted to be baptized, they said, bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. There has to be an indication, yes, of leaving those things which are unfit for the kingdom of God. But that is not yet the fruit of the Spirit. That is fruit of repentance, and they can't be seen. But one that is born again, you also should then see the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, temperance, goodness, and so forth, faith. Now back to this verse here. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And he makes reference now to an event in the Old Testament. Uh, I think it's in Deuteronomy. When the children of Israel murmured and wanted to turn again around and return back to Egypt. What an insult to God when He rescued them and wants a people for Himself and they turn His back to Him and go back to the slavery. What an insult to God. And God was very angry with them and sent fiery serpents, serpents that would bite them and many would die. And then they cried. Then they cried. And Moses interceded and begged God, and God said, make yourself a, a serpent of brass, a figure, put it up on a pole, and tell the people that if they're if they bitten, and if they look at that serpent, they shall live. How is that possible? What sense does it make? God, he said so. And it was the only way they had hope. In looking up in faith, because God had commanded it, those that were bitten did not die. And he says, likewise, must the Son of Man be lifted up. And we know what it meant. It meant lifted up on the cross. And that if you look in faith to him and believe what is declared of him that he did there, that we should not perish. Not the physical dead, but eternally. Be separated from God. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Was there power in that brass serpent? Certainly not, because we read later on how was it under King Hezekiah people still sacrificed to that serpent. And he was really upset and took it and broke it up and had it destroyed because it became an idol to the people. But when God said it he meant it and it was effective. But that was only a foreshadowing of what Jesus Christ would do for us, that he would be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And there's a favorite verse which is so often quoted, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And people like to take that first portion of the verse and God loves the world. And they use that very same phrase to accuse God. They look around, see a fallen, corrupted, misery world, full of pain, full of wrong. They see it and blame God. You can't be loving. And stop there. But he sent his son who died at the cross A miserable dead. Was he playing just games? Or was it really necessary? And does he have the answer for all the pain that's happening? Well, the so-called educated out there that don't believe in God, they have not the answer to the pain in the world. But the word of God tells us what the answer is. Tells us why the suffering is. Why God allows it. Oh, he could intervene. He could intervene, but what would do that us? Whenever God intervened and, and did things more comfortable for, for the Israelites, they turned away from him. Suffering, somebody once said, is God's megaphone to get our attention. And some may need more than others. But that still doesn't explain the suffering of little innocent children. And again, that's the humbling thing where we have to acknowledge that God is way beyond our understanding. How and why and and what the reward is going to be, we just don't know. Maybe the very suffering of those little ones is to get our attention and to bring us down and humble us to humble us, and admit, thou knowest. Somebody once said, I don't know much about that life, and the, the eyes of faith are weak, but enough that Jesus, that I know Jesus, and that's all I need. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. The world was condemned already, corrupted, and sin abounded more and more. And we can blame our ancestors, we can blame Adam, but we added to it. We added to it. And for all of it, for all of it, Jesus Christ suffered for the sin of the whole world, of the whole world. Now, a serious word. Jesus Christ died for the sin of the whole world. But we must acknowledge it. That he died for us. Individually. Individually. This is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. It's not what we view usually as the great sins that keep people out of heaven. They can be repented of. We have seen how Jesus forgave adultery. We have seen, Jesus, how he gives, forgives murderers. There is no sin so great that the sacrifice is not sufficient. But rejecting, rejecting the only way out, rejecting the only remedy leaves no other recourse. This is the condemnation that light is come and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And that's how we should look at it, even our fellow man, when we think, oh, he's so depraved. God is able, but he has to want to respond to it. Ye must be born again. And those Nicodemus among us, perhaps that think of himself, can identify with that Nicodemus. What are they going to do about it? He says, ye must be born again. Can you answer that question? Jesus said, verily, verily, ye must be born again. It's not an option. It's the only way. To him be honor and glory evermore. Amen. Could you repeat please? 183 183 First 3 verses First 3 verses, First three verses.
2: We have born from thee, and we are need to come back every day, every hour to praise thee for thy wisdom, from thy love, that is so omnipotent that cannot understand or practice only those who truly have the faith in thy love. Oh, loving Father in heaven, we pray that Thou would accept us unto Thy blessing wings and bless us, O Lord, with all the needs that we need, that we would be faithful, that we would be truly converted to Thy will and live a life as such. Father, we thank You for the continued care blessings, leading, teaching, and upholding by strength of the Holy Spirit, O Lord, in our daily life. We just pray that that would help us and lead us home to eternal glory. In Jesus' name, we humble pray, Father, that thou would help us. For our enemy is working, and we need to fight For the truth, we pray that Thou would give us necessary wisdom to do so and win the war, O Lord, over evil. We just pray that Thou would give us the deep thought over the sermon today, how true, how simple, how blessing It is for us individually and collectively. Oh, Father, we just pray that Thou would help us and continue with us even to the very end. In Jesus' name we humble pray. Amen.
0: Verses? 187, two verses. God is no respecter of person, everyone. The light is coming to the world, and everybody that wants to hear and obey it has the opportunity. The Bible moreover says it's not the will of God that anyone should perish, but all should come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. It's his will. But he will not override our will. And he's no respecter of person. We see Jesus meets publicans, that were looked down of as sinners, harlots, lepers, even dead. And he also met the Pharisees, and some of them, it appears, accepted what he was saying. How about those Nicodemus among us? I'd like to read a portion out of Romans. Romans chapter ten, verse six. But the righteousness which is of faith speak it on this wise, say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. And that's a quotation again from the Old Testament. We can read, who shall ascend into heaven? Who shall go to the deep? Where will you find the word of God that you may know it? It says, it's there, the law that was given to them. But now, who shall ascend into heaven? If somebody asks, well, how shall I know? You want Christ again to come and declare the word? Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. You want again Christ to rise from the dead? But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. When Nicodemus came to Christ and asked him, it was only up there. It had to come right down into the heart. Believe with the heart. Then you will also obey and do what God requires. Will you believe? You will repent. You will recognize your conditions. You will repent. And God will do what only He can do, that you be born again. To Him be all the honor and glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.